This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I welcome all of you. Glad you're here today. If you're watching my live stream, you're glad you're here. If you're a guest, we welcome you today. You kind of get an idea of where we're going. So to assist you a little bit, our ushers will get you a Bible if you don't have one. Raise your hand up real high, and then we'll begin in the 139th Psalm today. Psalm 139. So God has destiny for every one of us. God has purpose for every one of us. And God has calling for every one of us. Now listen to this definition for the word call. The customized life purpose that God has ordained to bring him glory. The customized life purpose to bring God glory for your life and my life. So oftentimes people will say, well, I'm, I'm just a teacher. No, you're called. I'm just a, a plumber. No, you're called. I'm, I'm just a, a fireman. But no, we're called every day in what we do to be representatives of the kingdom of God. And I believe at times in our lives we, we don't view it that way. Or we have the thought, well, God would use you, but he wouldn't use me. So we're going to stir something up within us the next few weeks, and I believe it'll, it'll locate us and it'll jumpstart us too. Psalms 139, verse number one. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now this is King David talking here. He said, you, you've investigated my life. You've searched me thoroughly. You know everything there is to know about me. My my life is an open book. Verse 2. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. And so he's saying, God knows every detail about your life. Nothing escapes his knowledge. And nothing catches God off guard. These are just the attributes of our heavenly father. Verse number 13. For you form my inward parts. Now it's interesting this this wording here. For you, which is father God, you formed my inward parts. Now God's speaking to us right now. God formed you. And he goes on to say, you covered me in my mother's womb. So David affirms here, not only had had God created him, but he knit him together in his mother's womb. So, you're not a product of evolution. Your daddy's not a monkey swinging in the trees. Now that may make your heart but your DNA is that of a heavenly father, okay? I like that. I, I really do. I, verse 14. King David says, I will praise you or I will give you thanks. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So he said, I praise you. I give, you, I give you glory and honor, Father God, because you wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created me. Now, that's to every one of us. 
I don't care who you are in here. God doesn't have mistakes or uh-ohs. God's not the God of mistakes and God's not the God of uh-ohs. No matter how you were conceived, God has purpose for your life. Wow. And in saying that right here, God doesn't desire you being somebody else. He made you you. And he made you very unique. Very unique. So unique, no other human being on this planet has your fingerprints. That's pretty unique. Verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. Now just soak in that just a second. I, I just ask you to close your eyes right there where you're at right now. How precious are your thoughts to me, oh God. Now I look back up here and some of you would say, God would say that to you, but he wouldn't say that to me. No, he said that to you. And so what happens at times in our lives? We don't know our identity in Christ Jesus. And he ends here in, in this verse and he says, how great is the sum of them. It's not like he's just got a couple of them. He said, how, how great are there? So David is overwhelmed. He's comforted by how, how awesome God is toward us, how God views you. And so you're unique again. God wonderfully and fearfully, fearfully and skillfully created you, okay? And some of you need to get a hold of that, all right? Let that soak within you today. Now go with me back in the New Testament to, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter number 8. And the Apostle Paul gives us some insight on this. And I'm just telling you, man, don't, don't miss the upcoming weeks. Uh, there's just going to be so many things that will come out that I believe that's going to reveal to you that God loves you and God's for you. Romans 8 verse 28. And we know, we know, we're, we're, we're assured that all things work together for good. Now, that's a part of the verse that, man, you, you can highlight. You can, woo, I know. You know, there was a song about it. I know all things work together for my good. All things work together. Man, we, we love to quote that and we love to say that. But this verse is conditional. Not all things work together for my good, okay? So if I'm not careful, I, I take that out of content. So what am I meaning by that? He said, all things work together for good. Now, let's fill in the blank here. Watch what he says. To those who love God. To those who love God. Well, if I went around the room, do you love God? Man, we'd all be saying, I love God, I love God. Woo, I love God. But the Lord Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, obey me. Uh-oh. So it's one thing to say I love him, but it's another thing to obey him. And so Jesus right here, he says that if you really love him, you'll obey him. And he's not talking about we obey him by law where he's saying, you've got to obey me. It's not like God's cracking a whip saying you got to obey. 
No, I, I obey him because I love him. Man, I, I obey him because I know he, he has the best interest for me. So, all things work together for good to those who love God. But in my verse, it says, and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, if you're a, a writer of your Bible, if you like to highlight, highlight his purpose. He didn't say, my purpose. I'm going to do my own thing, God, and, and you hook up with me. No. He said, according to his purpose, according to his deliberate plan, his design, his intention. So when I look at his purpose, every bit of this is connected to salvation. Nothing goes forward for the purpose of God until you're born again. That's the beginning statement. And I got to get born again. I got to give my heart to Jesus. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, part of that can be very confusing because there's teachings that go out and I believe in the sovereignty of God, but some will say the sovereignty of God says you're predestined to eternity in heaven and you're predestined to eternity in hell. Now, my problem with, with saying that right there is it's like we're, we're saying that our God is an any, many, mighty, mo God. What do I mean? Any, many, mighty, mo. You're in and you're out. So you know what that's saying right there? God's a respecter of persons. But in, in Acts 10, 34, it says God's no respecter of persons. But also, if we were to go back in scriptures, in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this, God desires that all go to heaven. God desires that none perish. But we'll all go to heaven. No. Will there be some that'll perish? Yes. You know why? Because God didn't make you and me a robot. He gave us an ability, the DNA within us to choose. And every sacrifice is based on preference. So when I see all that he's talking about here, God wants all things to, uh, to work together for our good to those who love him and according to his purpose. But I want you to notice a nugget right here in the middle of verse 29. To be conformed, to be modeled, to be shaped to the image of his son. Wow. His desire for each one of us is as we give our hearts to Jesus. But we are progressively to be conformed to the image of Jesus. His character and his conduct. So the beginning point of this is I got to give my heart to Jesus. And then something happens with me when I continually say, Lord, conform me. Grace me to be conformed to your son's image. And so God gives us a little bit of insight, every one of us, that 
the closer I get to Jesus, I believe your, your calling and your purposes will be revealed more and more and more and more. So when I look at this right here, again, the promise of verse 28 was conditional. So what happens here was if in every one of us, God takes the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life, and he blends it into what I call his divine purpose and his divine calling. Now, what I'm talking about, the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life, there was a guy named Saul. And Saul was notorious for persecuting the Christians. But Saul had an encounter with the Lord Jesus in Acts 9, and he gives his heart to Jesus, and he goes from the name Saul to Paul, and this same Saul is now the Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. So God took the good, the bad, the ugly of his life, and he began to use him, but it didn't take place until he gave his heart to Jesus. And so these upcoming weeks, I'm going to share with this that just because you have a past, it doesn't eliminate you from a future with God. Anybody in here got a past? I got a past. I'm not proud of my past. But it's part of my testimony. You know what that means? God still takes messes and he still makes miracles. He, he still uses people that have messed up. Now go back to the book of John chapter 8. Back to your left. John chapter 8. And I believe the Lord's going to speak to us today in this, this passage here. Woo, this is, this is some good stuff. John 8 verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning Jesus came again into the temple. Comes to church early in the morning. And all the people came to him. And he sat down and he taught them. And it's always interesting to me about Jesus. Man, when he got around people, he taught them the word of God. He always emphasized the word of God. You just, you just look over to how God anointed Jesus now as the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. But every time I studied there, he always was putting the word in them. Why did he do that? Well, here's your homework, Simon. In John 8, verse 31, he said, if you'll abide in me. If you'll abide in me. You know what abide in? You, you make your life in me. You live for me. And then in John 8, 32, he said, by doing that, only the truth will set you free. So Jesus knew only the truth does us any good. So Jesus is at church preaching the word of God. Verse 3. Then the scribes, the religious scholars, and the Pharisees. Let me just stop here just a minute. These were the self-righteous. These, these were the religious these were people that thought they were more holier than thou. That they were so much more significant than everybody else. Now let me give you a note about these guys. I never saw in the Bible where Jesus got mad at sinners. But I do see in the Bible where he got extremely upset at these yahoos. This ought to be a note to us, Okay. And Jesus doesn't like that, that arrogance. And Jesus doesn't like when we think it's our job to put down people. So, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Wow. 
They caught her in adultery and they bring her to church. Now, I don't think they said, hey, sister adultery, would you like to go to church today? I, I don't believe this is what took place here. But I want you to picture this. Jesus is in the temple. He's at the church. It'd be just like here on Sunday morning. And Jesus is teaching the word of God. And all of a sudden, these doors open, and these religious folk come walking in. They set sister adultery right in the middle of everybody. They, they put her on display. But I, I thought the church was a hospital for the sick. I, I, I thought the church was a place where sinners would be welcome. But in this situation, that's not what takes place. So they set her right in the midst of them, all, almost like they're wanting to parade her, to guilt her. So I read all this, and I'm thinking, all right, Lord. They bring this woman in who was caught in the midst of adultery. And then in verse 4, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. We caught her red-handed. They thought it was their job to tell Jesus everything she had done wrong. As if they had never done anything. Now, when it comes to an adultery, adultery is, is what we call sexual sin. If you're married and you're messing around with anybody other than your wife, or a, you're an adulterer, okay? Now, this is a big deal because the Lord said in Exodus 20, in his top 10, he listed adultery, and I believe it's number six. It's, it's Exodus 20, verse 14. It's in there. So in no way are, are we blowing this off. Are we acting like, you know what? You had a, a, what we call an affair now. Let's don't call it sin. Let's call it an affair. Well, the Bible calls it sin. So they prayed her in, caught in the very act. And a question that always comes after, off of this to me is, where was the dude at? Two women said, amen, Pastor, preach it, preach it. All the men said, oh, me. No, they didn't say that. Amen or oh, me. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. That's Leviticus 20. The Bible does, the Bible does state that. But what do you say, Jesus. What's your thought on this? So Jesus knows this is catch 22. He knows what the law of Moses says, but he also knows they live under Roman dictatorship or rulership, and the Romans say, you don't do that. So Jesus knows basically he's in a no-win situation with what they're wanting to do. Verse 6. This they said, testing him trying to set up a trap for him that they may have something which to accuse him or incriminate him. 
But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his fingers as though he did not hear. Now, you know he heard. He heard everything they said. So, they're, they're trying to put the squeeze on Jesus. And when they do, he just, he just starts writing in the dirt. Now, I don't believe Jesus was just doodling. I don't believe he was just scribbling. I don't think he was playing a game of tic-tac-toe. But I wonder at times what he was writing. And you know what I believe he was writing? I'm, I can't prove this. This will be a rerun in heaven. A, re, re, yeah, a second one. You need to see this one in heaven, a rerun. I believe he probably wrote, what about grace? What about mercy? Even though those religious leaders were trying to get him to incriminate himself, he still loved them. So he's writing. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, now, before we go into that, I just want you to think about this. While all this activity is going on, while they hear that the scribes and the Pharisees, the couldn't sees, the wouldn't sees, this, this woman is right here in the middle. She's hearing everything that's going on. She's witnessing it all. And can you imagine what's going on in the inside of her? They're talking about killing me. And she hears them say to the Lord Jesus, but what do you say? And I'm sure she's, she's hanging on the edge right there. What do you say? What do you say? And Jesus raised himself up and said, he who is out sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Literally, the one of you who feels like you're qualified to judge her with your self-righteous accusations, you throw a stone at her first. Hmm. But Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, when you see that he says all have sinned, there's no exceptions. And when it comes to sin, it doesn't matter if you missed it by an inch or a mile, it's still sin. It would be like two guys that were trying to catch the same airline flight, and they both missed it. One missed it by a minute, and one missed it by an hour, and you ask yourself, who's in the worst situation? They both missed the flight. See, my neighbor doesn't determine my standards. God determines my standards. So Jesus, he, he makes this statement. Verse 8. And right after he makes this statement. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Again, do, do you, you know what I believe this again actually means? He's the God of a second chance. Because he starts writing again. Now this time, you know what I wonder if he wrote? 1 Peter 4, 8 says, 
that the love of God covers a multitude of sin. Again, I don't know that's what he wrote, but just the character of our Lord Jesus. So he's writing on the ground again. Verse 9, then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. So Jesus says, you who is out sin, you throw the first stone. And when he says this, the Holy Spirit takes that and he begins to convict their conscience, which if you want to ever study that, that's John 16 verse 8. That that the Holy Spirit begins to convict our conscience, but when he convicts us, it isn't to beat us up. It isn't to tell us how sorry it is. It's to lead us to a place of repentance and say, man, I blew it. So the Holy Spirit, he begins to convict them. And the Bible says, and they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. This is church. And they begin to pray it out, single file, one by one. And look, look at the last of verse number nine or ten, nine. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. The sanctuary clears out, no one's left. What happened at church today? Man, everybody got up and left. The Holy Spirit began to convict. And so the only one left standing right here at the altar in the church is Jesus and Sister Adulterer. Now, think about this right now. What if that's you standing there? What if that's me standing there? What's, what's going through my mind? What's in my heart? What's he, what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? Well, let's watch what he's gonna do. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Jesus asked, where are the accusers of yours? Where are those ones at? Has no one condemned you? Has no one convicted you? And so Jesus says this, and I'm sure the woman is sitting there looking at him like, I didn't expect this. Verse 11. She said, no one, Lord. She said, no one, Lord. Now highlight Lord, okay? Highlight Lord, which literally means master. This woman who was caught red-handed in adultery, she confesses Jesus as Lord. She calls Jesus Lord. Now, keep reading because you've got to see this truth here. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I convict you. So get this right here. Listen real close. Not only did this woman confess him as Lord, Jesus was okay with it. Same with you and me. 
don't know what you've done in your life. But something happens when Jesus becomes Lord of our life. And his response was like, I'm, I'm okay with it. And you got to get this because the only person there that day who could have rightfully thrown stones at her, which was the Lord Jesus, he chose not to. And not only did he choose not to, he welcomed her, getting born again, receiving him as Lord. And I, I thought somebody would be doing some cartwheels in here like, dear Jesus, that's some good stuff. Maybe you guys weren't as good a sinner as I was. I was like, man, woo, makes me want to get born again and again and again. So what happens to us just like this woman? Many times we get locked into these cycles, these, these patterns of sin in our lives that reflect my choices and my actions. I won't blame anybody else. And so those patterns of sin and those cycles of sin in their life, they, they cause me to begin, my, my perception is in the things that I do. My, my perception, my identity is in the sins that I've done. And it'd be very easy for this woman adulterer to think, once an adulterer, always an adulterer. And, and I get stuck in these patterns of sin, these perceptions. And then all of a sudden, these things called accusing voices, which is the accuser of the brethren, Revelations 12, 10. The devil starts whispering in your ear and says, you're sorry. You're, you're no good. You're a loser. And so not only the perception of how I've lived my life, but I start believing those lies of the devil. And that's how I end up getting my identity. But Jesus right here, he looks at this woman's sin and unrighteousness and he lifts the sentence. He says, not guilty. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what condemnation is? It, it's like the devil. He gets this ball ping hammer, and day after day, he just keeps tapping on your head and condemning you and telling you how sorry it is. That's Romans 8, 8 1. Romans 8, 2 says, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. How'd that happen? I, I believed with my heart and I, I confessed with my mouth that Jesus was Lord and Jesus came in. So Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I convict you. But watch, watch real close. The end of verse 11. Go and sin no more. He looks into her eyes and says, go and sin no more. You know what he's telling her? Don't go back into that old lifestyle. Don't go back to those behaviors that got you in this predicament to start with. So Jesus right here, he changed the cycle of, of uh, desire. He changed the cycle of, of her thoughts, her perception. 
How did he do that? That when she got born again, he gave her a new identity. And when you get born again, Jesus does what we call an extreme makeover. And he looked at her and says, you're now a woman of God. You're now a daughter of God. But go and sin no more. So when I see this here, go and sin no more. You know what Jesus does to her? And this is what he does to me and you. He demonstrates grace and mercy to us. My grace is sufficient in your weakness. My mercies are new every day. Do you know part of getting born again is by grace? You're saved by grace through faith. That's next week, okay? But when Jesus says go and sin no more, Jesus knows you can't get saved on your own. If you could get saved on your own, God would have never needed to send Jesus. And the other side of that coin is, when Jesus said go and sin no more, he knows you can't do that on your own either. So you know what God says? I'm going to put a thing called grace. And so what grace does here, grace and mercy don't promote sin. Grace and mercy, they, they actually motivate obedience. So literally, you know what's just stated there? It's amazing grace. It's amazing. If you've struggled in areas of your life with sin, which we all have. No, I haven't. Then you Pharisees, come on down. We've all struggled. Lord, I need your grace today. Grace me today to be strong in you. Grace me today, Father God, that I don't, I don't run back to that sin. Grace me today. See, many times we look to everything but God's grace. Grace me today. Verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to the game again saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me. Now notice what he said. I believe he's still talking to this woman. She's given her heart to Jesus. Remember, she calls him Lord. He who follows me. Not just he who gets born again, but he who actually follows me. Shall not walk in darkness, but have the life, the light of life. So the world, it's in darkness apart from the Lord Jesus right here. Now, this is the part of this story that I guess I should be truthful and say it bothers me. Because I don't know what happens to the woman. I got a good idea that I'm telling you. She's set free and now she's following. I, I would love to see the whole story of her life. Because not only did Jesus call, uh, save her, Jesus called her. Just like, just like me and you. This is exactly what he does. And he has kingdom purpose for every one of us. So we go back to the beginning here. Jesus takes the good, the bad, the ugly of your life. And he throws it into this spiritual blender. And out of it comes this masterpiece. And this thing called the masterpiece. The canvas doesn't determine to the painter. The painter determines to the canvas. And he says, that's my boy. That's my girl. And so what Jesus does, man, he changes my identity. 
How does it begin to do that? I am who he says I am. My life is no longer identified by my past, just like sister adultery. My life is now identified. I'm who he says I am. Who does he say I am? He says in Romans 8, I'm more than a conqueror. He says in Revelations 12, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so it's almost like Jesus says, that the identity that I placed on you, it, it's unlimited. As far as you want to go with it, just run with it. Ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus. But see, the devil gets us in these dead ends and sometimes these cul-de-sacs of life. And we think God would never use me. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for permission to tell this, but you know what? I got the mic, so I'll do it anyhow. He didn't know I'm going to do this, but I, I was with Fernando here a few weeks ago and he was helping me change out some uh, shower valves in my, my shower. So we're on the way to the plumbing shop to buy these new valves. And he just starts telling me about how he, he's on a different level at work now. And he said, Pastor, when you preached on the spirit of excellence, he said, man, I said, I, I got to have a spirit of excellence. And he started telling me about how all the guys on his crew they cuss. They cuss in Chinese, Hebrew. They cuss in Spanish. They just whatever. And he said, I got where it bothers me, and I tell him not to do those things. So he's telling me all this, and man, I'm just soaking this up. I'm thinking, woo, 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 woo. He's conforming to the image of Jesus. what Jesus begins to do. So I'm going to ask you to stand up here today. Wow, Pastor, you did really good today. We're going to keep you around for another week. Thank you for putting up with me. I, I really enjoy what I get to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. You don't have to do this. If you feel comfortable, you can raise your hands. You can get your little hands out before the Lord. How do you want to do this? But we never tap into our purpose, our calling, until Jesus becomes Lord of my life. And your past and your sins right now, they don't eliminate you. Actually, that's what qualifies you to be a child of God. When you recognize I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. And so, if you're in here right now, and two people we're going after, number one, you've never received Jesus as Lord of your life, and right now, something is tugging at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit, and number two, if you've gotten off track somewhere, and you haven't lived for the Lord, He's speaking to you too because he welcomes you to come back. And so if you need to give your heart to Jesus today or you need to rededicate and say, you know what, on February 19th, I'm going to make a stand for Jesus. I'm going to start conforming to his image. 
I, I ask you right now just, just to get out of your seat and come down here and I'm going to tell you right now we're going to hoot and holler we're not going to stone you I promise we're going to shout into God if you need to give your heart to Jesus you got to get out of your seat right now okay this is the love of God God wants to save you today apart from Jesus you're going to stay in darkness okay we'll be an auctioneer going once going twice So I'm going to take everybody in here safe then. But if you struggled with your identity, come on, come on. There's come. Hey. Yes, 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 yes. Come on. Yeah. I, I told you we would clap. this guy since he was probably a 7th or 8th grader. He, he was a really good footballer. I'd have hated to tackle you. But you're more impressive to me as a man of God than a football player. My, my trophies are people, guys. I'm, I'm going to ask ones that on our prayer team, if you just come down here and stand behind these, I, I believe God's going to not only save, but he's going to deposit heaven within them, okay? They're coming. Just, just get behind them. And you that are down here, you just, just from your heart, just from your heart, it's, it's kind of like I hear the Lord saying right now, I, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. But say this from your heart. Father God, I come before you today as a sinner. You know everything I've done. But I take ownership of my choices. And I ask you today, Father God, to forgive me of all my sin. And Lord Jesus, I confess you as Lord, Master. Come into my heart today and save me. Grace me, not only for salvation, but that I stay away from sin. I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap to the Lord. I, I, I don't believe God's done, though, guys. I... I've had this statement numerous times that'll be said to me. I, I know God would use you, but he wouldn't use me. That's a lie. That's a lie. And so if you're here today and 
you've struggled with your identity, maybe way back. The sins of your life that, that have tried to become the picture of your heart. It's not a true indication of who God created you right now, that his calling. But there needs to be a shift in your heart today where today you become the man or woman that God said you are. And so I, I welcome you today to come forward. You may need a jump start from God. You may need to come under the Holy Spirit and he's gonna jump you and, and kick your life back into order today. Where you begin to walk out your identity and your callings with him. And so as they get ready to sing, if that's you, I welcome you to come down here and just say, Father God, I ask you to shape me that I am who you say I am. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.